0: When this happened in 2019, actually Moms Across America decided to do a test and see how much glyphosate now is in the Impossible Burger. And they found that it was 11 parts per billion of glyphosate that was in the Impossible Burger. And for reference, 0.1 parts per billion of glyphosate, if you're eating that, has been shown to cause damage in the human body. You're listening to Food Integrity Now
1: with your host, Carol Grave. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Food Integrity Now. I'm Carol Gravet, and I'm the host of the show. I'm really excited to have as my guest today, Kelly Ryerson, back on the show. Kelly Ryerson works at the intersection of agriculture, nutrition, and health as a writer, speaker, and policy consultant. She started the new site Glyphosate Facts, which explores and explains how our chemical agriculture system has led to an explosion in chronic disease. She collaborates with scientists, doctors, organic farmers, and regenerative agriculture technology companies to better understand and address Agrochemical damage to our soil and bodies. Kelly has a BA from Dartmouth College and an MBA from the Stanford Graduate School of Business. Kelly, welcome to Food Integrity Now. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm really excited you're back on the show. I've interviewed you, I think, one or two other times. And I really wanted to have you on again because I'm very concerned about this fake meat. And in particular, impossible foods or impossible burgers. We know now it's more than just the burgers, but they're expanding. And so many people are eating this fake food. And my guess is they have no idea what's really in this food. So I wanted to talk with you and maybe you could clear some things up for us. And so what's really in these foods? Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting because they've actually been around now. So
0: Impossible Burgers was founded um, in 2011. And so it was this uh, scientist from Stanford who founded the company and how exciting this is because, you know, at the time in 2011, as as is the case now, there's a lot of concern around emissions from beef and from cows. And so it, the more you can limit your meat eating, apparently, then the better it is for the environment, which is definitely arguably untrue. But certainly in the case of CAFOs and factory animal farming, that is really damaging to the environment. And of course, it's highly unethical. And we should all feel really horrible eating meat that is treated in this condition when it's alive. And writing on that trend and awareness came impossible meets. It was founded and it found um, some funders and in the early stage, it actually between 2011 and now they've raised I think around two billion dollars and a chunk of it coming from Bill Gates and interestingly another chunk coming from Serena Williams, the tennis star who really believe in this plant-based future.
1: Yes, I looked up before our call today, and I think Gates has invested like 75 million so far. Yeah, that's a solid chunk. And he also invested in
0: Beyond Meats, which is the other plant-based meat. They went ahead and they created this patty. Actually, the the Impossible Burger beef replacement came out in 2016, but they had applied for uh, approval from the FDA in 2015. They actually don't need approval for many things uh, from the FDA. And a lot of times you'll see a food company go in for FDA approval of their product, and it will just be recommendations that are given to the company. But actually, for a lot of things, the FDA doesn't even need to stamp it as like safe for human consumption. So they could put this patty out on the market and then they're applying for various approvals from the FDA, but it's already out there in 2016 without FDA approval. The reason why it would need this approval specifically is because of this key ingredient that's in the Impossible Burger that is really disconcerting. There's the scientists are like, okay, so what is it that makes meat taste like meat? And they discovered it was this hemoglobin taste that then they were like can we somehow get that taste into plant they no. so the scientists said okay how can we make these plant based burgers be, taste more like a real meat patty and so they found this soy like hemoglobin which is a precursor to hemoglobin and so we'll just call that heme that's sort of what it goes for by short and they thought okay This is something that we can use to give it this flavor. We can take the genetic code of what this is and put it into a genetically modified yeast and then create this flavoring and color additive in large quantities. So then we can make as many impossible burgers as we'd want. But the problem is that this had never been tested. This heme has never been tested for safety for human consumption. In 2015, they went in and they applied to the FDA and they said, we would love to have this recognized as generally regarded as safe, which is a term that oftentimes companies will use. And they say, well, this is so similar to something that already exists in the food chain that it actually doesn't need any further discovery or any research on it. But in reality this is the first time that this protein had been introduced into the food chain actually in 2015 the fda surprisingly they don't often kick things back but they kicked it back in 2015 they said you know what there's not enough research that is on this heme and so you need to do some and then you know you can reapply so they withdrew their application and then in 2017 came back and they said okay so we're reapplying and here it is. And we did a, a toxicity study. And originally, they had promised in 2015, they said, you know, we're going to do a 90 day feeding study, which is standard. It's a little bit, it's not long term, but, you know, it's something to show the safety of this heme. And instead, and I don't have the FOIA request to prove it, but apparently the FDA said, you know, just go ahead and do this 28 day study. I think that that would probably be enough. And so they came back, even though they promised this longer study, they came back with a 28 day study in rats and it showed problems that came up. And so they submitted that research even though it shows blood clotting, anemia, liver problems, like reproductive
1: damage,
0: kidney damage. Yes. (laughs) They said, we're so, we're so happy. We see no effects here. And so this research is published and you look and you see, okay, so all the impossible researchers are there on the research that was published, of course, it's funded by impossible burger. And amazingly, somehow the FDA said, okay, no further questions. And therefore it was, Approved and and so, but it's really concerning. So the other thing, it not only gives it that flavor, that meat like flavor, but it also creates a really blood like effect. So when you bite into it, it has sort of this color additive that you're like, oh great, this is meat. Which, as an aside, is so strange to me because if you're vegan and you're not wanting to eat meat or you're vegetarian, and you, why would you want something that emulates eating meat? I
1: mean, that is against the idea. Of yeah, meat. I I don't get that either. It's strange. Yeah. So they also did not do any uh, allergenicity testing. And they claim, okay, because there's not acute
0: toxicity, you're not likely going to drop dead with one Impossible Burger. Yeah. That was sort of the bar that they put on there. And then the Center for Food Safety came out and said, okay, well, we're going to sue the FDA. And they had a lawsuit where they were claiming that the FDA basically went really light on them and lowered the standards that they should have with this novel protein. And it shouldn't be included or approved in until there's more research on it. And the court said, well, while consumers should definitely be t- pay attention to this and give it the concern that it deserves, it's not our job to tell them that they can't make the Impossible Burger. So now the Impossible Burger goes ahead and creates all kinds of different concoctions that are using this heme. Well, the
1: scary part about that, and one of the reasons that the Center for Food Safety decided to do this lawsuit was because they were wanting to put it in schools, in the school lunches, and it got approved to be in school lunches, which is horrific. Well, and I'm really upset
0: specifically because I happen to be at, my kids go to a school that several executives from Impossible Burger send their kids to the same school. And I nearly lost my mind because there was an Earth Day talk celebration and they asked me to come and speak on glyphosate. That's sort of my area of expertise. And-
1: I wouldn't say sort of, Kelly. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people know you out there as glyphosate girl when you attended the uh, first Monsanto trial every single day and blogged about it. But go ahead. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) <laughs> I guess
0: I should say it yeah. is my area of expertise. Yes. And so I was going to come and speak about it. And but I couldn't because I had other obligations. And so instead they brought in the CEO of Impossible Burger to come in and talk to all the kids about how amazing Impossible Burger is.
1: They even oh, no. to the
0: school, donated all these impossible burgers. So now at my kids' cafeteria, there's these impossible burgers and so I started tweeting the school like stop serving possible burgers and my kids were like can you not like that's really embarrassing I, like, well, I don't want you guys eating it but the head of school actually said well I mean probably if both are available I can imagine over time that kids are going to prefer the meat anyway I'm like maybe but I don't think it should be on that menu yeah.
1: Yeah. But unfortunately it's it's in several schools. Let's talk a little bit about another problem area, which is the soy protein isolate. Yeah. So the first Impossible Burger that came out in 2016
0: used wheat as the protein in the Impossible Burger. And of course, with gluten-free trends and a lot of people demanding gluten-free alternatives they decided, okay, we're gonna change what the recipe is. And in 2019, changed it to be uh, GMO soy based and got rid of the wheat. And they were so excited about this and they're celebrating it. <laughs> and of course, what they're saying is that they're going to be using these, this Roundup ready glyphosate resistant and actually not just glyphosate, but other pesticides as well, GMO soy as the protein in the Impossible Burger. And so that just added a whole host of new toxicity to the product. So 2019 was not a good time. And that's when you saw a lot more press around Impossible Burgers and people really concerned about what's included in it. Because now you not only have this heme that is untested and toxic, but also GMO soy, which we know to have so many potential health issues, not only with the GMO itself, but also with the herbicides that go along with it.
1: Yeah, speaking of the herbicide that goes along with it, that I know that's your area of expertise. Let's just, just do a brief synopsis of some of the issues with glyphosate. You know, some people may know a little bit about the problems, but there's so much more. Yeah, when this happened in 2019,
0: actually Moms Across America decided to do a test and see how much glyphosate now is in the Impossible Burger. And they found that it was 11 parts per billion of glyphosate that was in the Impossible Burger. And for reference, 0.1 parts per billion of glyphosate, if you're eating that has been shown to cause damage in the human body. So that is just an enormous, it should be an enormous point of concern. Glyphosate is connected with just so many health issues and between endocrine disruption and cancer, and neurotoxicity, and creating a situation in the gut called leaky gut. That is something that I struggled with, that a lot of people struggle with. And it creates a situation where not only is the microbiome not in its correct state, but also leads to permeability in the intestine so that things that should stay inside of the intestine actually get out into the bloodstream and then create a Situation of a lot of inflammation, but also autoimmunity. Each year, you see more and more research on the connection between the gut and glyphosate and the whole explosion of chronic disease in our society when they started spraying glyphosate. There are a lot of concerns with glyphosate, and and the people, specifically Bill Gates, who's funding this, has been a big proponent of chemical agriculture, namely using GMO corn, GMO soy and its associated herbicides. And he actually funds also the Cornell Alliance for Science, which is a front group for the agricultural chemical industry. And the way Impossible Burger has formed its marketing is Exactly what you see from the lobbyists and the front groups from agricultural chemical companies. And it's this promise that, okay, if you eat this way and if we do agriculture this way, you're helping the planet and you're helping your health. And it's just not correct. And you can go into PubMed yourself and you can look in and see glyphosate or GMOs, and you'll see all of these thousands and thousands of research papers have come out that have shown this connection between glyphosate consumption and human disease. And one thing that's particularly scary to me is how it's impacting our reproduction. And you see infertility skyrocketing, and you also can then read the research and you see, okay, this glyphosate crosses the blood testes barrier. You know that it's in semen. It impacts women's cycles. It impacts like the eggs specifically and directly, and we're eating it every single day who's going to be blowing the whistle and saying, this is not right. This has to change and take down something like impossible burger. That's making it this beautiful, like graphically impressive front about the future of agriculture and how much better this is. It's just simply
1: not true. So really frustrating to see. It it is. And it's all under the guise of, we need this to save the planet and for climate change. And You know, a lot of people are passionate about that. So they're going to believe this false advertising and think that this is a really good idea. Oh, yeah. And it it does feel good. So if you're at Burger
0: King and you have a choice to buy the hamburger or this burger and they're promising, oh, it tastes just the same and you feel like you can make a difference with your consumer power. To save the planet, it makes sense that you would go ahead and buy the impossible burger. Like, well, this is great. This is great technology. Because how many people actually know anything about those ingredients that are in there or chemical agriculture or any of it? Because this PR from the other side has been so strong for so many years, so many lifetimes now of people that are the consumers buying this, that it's really hard to get even like a whisper into that conversation.
1: Right. And the problem with places like Burger King, you've got a bad choice and you've got a bad choice for your health. I can see how consumers, just like you said, would think, well, you know, because most people know that they're not eating a health food when they go to Burger King, right? Don't you think? I mean, I I would think so. Many, well, maybe not most, but many. I would hope so.
0: Yes. I was so shocked. I saw a statistic recently that the USDA estimates that the average American consumes 2.4 burgers per day. And so that's a national diet of 50 billion burgers a year. That is, so people must be either ordering two burgers or they're having a burger maybe for lunch and dinner. Maybe, it's cheap, it's
1: fast. And look what we've given up for cheap and fast. Yeah, absolutely. A lot, I always, when I see the lines around McDonald's when I go to the bank or something, and I go, my work is not done. But back to the Impossible Burger. So so it's understandable, which is why I wanted to have you on the show so that we could really clear this up and invite our listeners, you know, do, do some research about this, because it's it's really important. It is not better for the environment. It is definitely not better for your health. And the way to go is to, you know, if you like your burger, you eat a hundred percent grass fed ground beef Totally, and it's everywhere now. It's pretty easy to get. Yeah. So there's, like, there's a saying, um, it's not the cow, it's the how. <laughs> yes. And now they make, so some of their products, they make chicken nuggets, they make a sausage, they make pork, they make meatballs. And uh, I mean, so you can get all kinds of fake meat. Oh,
0: yeah. And so its products are available in 20,000 grocery stores and 40,000 restaurants. Yeah, that is just enormous. And, and the Impossible Foods um, 2021 retail sales were up 85% year over year, yes. just exploding in popularity, which is the opposite of what you would think. I mean, yes. I haven't tasted it. Maybe it tastes good, but
1: it's hard yeah. to believe. It
0: can't feel great when it hits your stomach.
1: Kelly, I don't know if you know this, but how does it compare to uh, Beyond Meat? So it's interesting with Beyond Meat
0: because Beyond Meat, for one, is really struggling as a company in comparison to Impossible. And so- they don't have Bill Gates on board or- Well, well, they did. (laughs)
1: did.
0: Bill Gates made a bet just wherever. (laughs) Um, And they- from what I gather, maybe you know more, but I don't think that they have GMO soy in there.
1: I in don't think they do either, but there there are some ingredients in and unfortunately I should have looked that up ahead of time, but look at well, maybe the secret ingredients. I I know that they also
0: use a heme, um, yeah. but one thing that was interesting is that it's level of glyphosate when tested once again by moms across America was 11 times less than Impossible Burger. So whatever it is, they must not be spraying much glyphosate as a pre-harvest aid or Mm -hmm. using GMO soy or corn or whatever it is. It's my guess because those levels are impressively low. But yeah, they're having financial troubles now. And so Impossible Burger was actually supposed to go public as a company this year and and didn't because they've seen how financially struggling uh, Beyond Meats is.
1: Mm, that's scary stuff you know i somebody sent me an article and unfortunately i don't have it in front of me right now but this company it had won an award recently for their prototype that you could make your own grow your own steak by using your own human cells oh gosh it, now, that's scary technology. We're talking about cannibalism here. That is so frightening. I've not heard that. I've heard of lab-grown meat. I've not heard of using human. Yes, dogs. and I'll. Uh, I'm. I'm going to do some more research on this and and find somebody to talk about it. And I, I think things like the Impossible Burger kind of open the door for all these others to come in. And it's kind of like, that's the way it goes. When when it first gets introduced, people are like, oh, I don't know, but then it becomes acceptable. And then it expands. And then that opens the door for the next, you know, fake food to come out there. But- um,
0: It's so interesting we- you say that because I have noticed in various com- conferences and symposiums that a lot of lab grown meat is now part of the conversation. Yeah. And they're really well-meaning people, but- I just wonder where are we gonna draw that line? Like you're yeah. saying, it's like, I do think the Impossible Burger, do people really even, obviously people don't really know what's an Impossible Burger. They might think that that's what it is. And so
1: it really does, that marketing opens up a huge door. You're so right. It does, in my mind, I just think of uh, silent green and people just really need to get back to eating Organic whole foods. If you eat meat to make sure it is raised humanely Mm -hmm. and that it is um, fed grass, or if it is fed some grain, that it's organic, no corn, no soy, that is the way we're going to change the planet. And that is the way through organic regenerative agriculture that we're going to make a difference.
0: It's the only way that we're even going to be able to sustain ourselves as a species. Right. Mother Nature is already saying, okay, time's up. So there is no more time. If we want to preserve fertility and health, then it just has to change. It has to change like in
1: the next 10 years. I mean, what would happen, maybe this is something people haven't thought about, if we just got rid of all the animals? Yeah. You know, what would happen to the jobs of the farmers that were raising cattle and and food for us if all of a sudden, you know, we just went to a whole fake meat society. Completely. That's a huge industry that people
0: don't really want to see go away. Yes. And they're so vital. Like Animals are critical in regenerative agriculture and agriculture in general. They need to be out there grazing on the grasses and, you know, That whole cycle of the importance of animals to the soil biology is absolutely critical. So whether you're eating them or not,
1: animals have such a huge role in our agriculture system. Yes. And for our listeners, if you want to learn more about that, you can, uh, Joel Salatin is a great place to I forget how many books he's written, like 15 books. Oh, yeah, so funny. And there's YouTubes. And, um, I mean, he really goes into depth about the importance of of having ruminants and other animals on your farm to make Mm -hmm. it all work beautifully. And how we regenerate the soil and, you know, sequester the carbon. And, you know, it's just... uh, it's just beautiful when you watch his videos or read his books. So I encourage He's people so articulate. To, check, to to check that out. Yes, he is quite articulate. So Kelly, your website is glyphosatefacts.com. Yes. And uh tell us a little bit more about your work and other things you're doing. I as you were saying earlier, I originally
0: started as Glyphosate Girl um covering the Monsanto cancer trials and I wrote a lot of blog posts about what I was seeing in the courtroom, because it's a lot of stuff that you wouldn't see reported elsewhere. Then uh, after the court cases kind of started dying down, I really started focusing more on the specific impacts of glyphosate on health and the uh, the big agriculture piece, because after exploring enough into this issue, really nothing's going to change unless we have a revamped agriculture system and I specifically did Glyphosate Facts. I changed my website actually from Glyphosate Girl to Glyphosate Facts because I want to have a strong counterpoint to a lot of the other PR that's out there from the other side. And so that's an ever expanding project where hopefully soon I'll have all the links of the research on it, but for now, it is a great resource just for your basics on glyphosate. And then I have also started working more on the policy front. And so I now am really hoping to get onto the next farm bill, some issue, the issue of using glyphosate as a pre-harvest aid um, to, so one big exposure. In fact, scientists have estimated that 80% of our dietary exposure to glyphosate comes from this harvest, pre-harvest spraying of grains and sugarcane and a bunch of different crops that then- we- wheat. Yeah. And so then that goes directly into our food source and then we're eating it and it causes all kinds of problems. A really Something I'm really hoping for when the farm bill comes out is potentially subsidizing farmers to use different practices so that they're not dependent on herbicides to facilitate their harvest. So going back to different ways of straight cutting grain or other alternatives as well. And then dramatically decreasing our exposure to the herbicides, but the farmers really need support to be able to do that because it's expensive, it's expensive change for them to make. And it involves like new equipment on their tractors and better ways to deal with climate change. And it's just a really big issue. I've been spending time uh, doing that. And Cory Booker is an awesome advocate for our movement. And so trying to collaborate more with him on some different ideas. So hopefully we'll see some change coming in the next you know, five to 10 years on this front. I will say that the, I become also more involved in the investment community that is investing in regenerative agriculture and products. And just that community of people year over year is exploding. People are really looking to that type of investment, private equity groups, not only from an ethical standpoint, but they can see the way that the trends are going and wanna be a part of that conversation. And excitingly, some farmers are coming into that conversation too. So the more we can create this little economy and community in the investment side, so my background was actually in private equity. So kind of speak both sides. I know that then the funding will be there to help support the farmers and these other new products uh, that come to market. So I feel actually pretty hopeful about it, just year over year. And I think COVID really accelerated a lot of the attention on health and different chemicals and how we can live an optimally uh, toxin-free life. So it's a good time, I think.
1: Yeah, great. Well, you're doing wonderful work and we thank you for that. And again, you can uh, find out more about Kelly at glyphosatefacts.com. And thank you for being on the show today and to letting us know some of the dangers of these baked meats, in particular, impossible foods. And do your research, everyone, and make wise choices because your health is important. And just ask anybody who's sick what their priority is. And it's it's feeling good because if your health goes down the tube. Your quality of life is not great. So this is about quality of life. Yeah, it
0: absolutely is. And coming from a position that probably many of your listeners, because they're focusing in on their health, they've felt what that's like to feel a chronic illness or just not quite right for an extended period of time. And it is a horrible place to exist. And you know you're missing out on so much. And just the little things like feeling like getting up out of bed and going you know, and hanging out with your kids or your family or getting to work and it not being a struggle. It's just when you feel that change, it's so amazing. And you just want to keep it no matter what. And so seeing once you feel that incredible health, when you go to a place and you see something like Impossible Burger on the menu, and you know, specifically what that's robbing you of, of this joy and happiness of enjoying your life, and your family and your work and everything it's it's so aggravating it's yes. just
1: infuriating and another important issue is that not everybody's going to watch the show or listen to the show share this information with people yeah. because it, when i see a mom you know at one of those places you know i'll see them in line and stuff i with their kids i just know in my heart of hearts that most mom want what's best for their children and if they knew what they were feeding them if they knew that this was going to cause them harm they would make different choices so we we each one teach one everybody everybody share the information and let's put let's put them out of business yeah (laughs) that's my goal (laughs) so kelly thanks for being a guest and uh, we'll get this out to as many people as possible and again i applaud you for your great work and we'll continue to follow your work at glyphosatefacts.com thanks again kelly thank you